Many children struggle with making a transition from something that they love to do to stopping it. That is a hard transition for most of us. So if your child is one that struggles to change activities or transition from one thing to the next, today's episode is for you. We are going to talk about a strategy that is essentially four steps to getting your child to more willingly, more easily accept a change of activity, a transition. So welcome to today's program. Does your child have a speech-language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do and how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned, because In this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee, along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. I'm so glad we can come to you so you can work your magic. This is a phrase that I wish I had a quarter for every time a parent said that to me. Of course, what I do is not magic but it feels like magic when it's something you don't know. When I bring my computer to somebody else to work on it, I feel like that is magic because it's something that I don't know much about. In my 30 years of working with students and parents, about 20% of those parents have some kind of background in early childhood development or training in how the brain develops. So even though they have had training in brain development and early childhood development, many of them have focused on academics or cognitive or, of course, a specific uh, disability or behavior. How do we handle behavior? So, To so many of even these professionals, it's elusive to them to think, but how does speech develop? How does language develop? Because it seems to just magically appear in so many of our kids. Even that isn't magic, of course, but it's amazing and magical. Speech therapists have hundreds, thousands of strategies for teaching the different things that we have to teach. Many of those things 
are more like practices that we do over and over. And those things can be given to parents to practice. Some therapies, however, if done wrong, can cause more harm than good. Those therapies I don't share on this podcast because I want to equip you parents to be able to jump into the practices, the therapies that are everyday practices that fit into your daily world so that you can teach your child at home. Sometimes this podcast isn't enough, or maybe the catalog of titles is too many to look through, and you don't know where you're going to find the information that you're actually looking for. That is why I have a calendar link in my show notes where you can book a call with me and we can talk about what it is that you're dealing with. At that point, I can recommend specific episodes and I can also give you a strategy to implement at home. Now, just in the last couple days, I realized that if you listen on an Android or a PC to Apple Podcasts, you don't have live links If that is the case, you can listen on Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and many others. So if you are not finding the live links that I regularly refer to, or other episode links, and people's emails that you think, I want to get a hold of them, I have called Apple, and now I'm waiting for them to work their magic and restore those links. All right, let's get into today's episode. That is about when a child struggles to change their activity and do something else. Like, stop what they like to do and start doing the next thing. We call this change of time, transition. And many kids have a hard time with transition, particularly those kiddos that have ADHD or are on the autism spectrum. Those kiddos have a harder time yet with transitions, typically. But all kiddos benefit from having transition help. Today we're going to talk about a couple of things you can do as parents that are going to help your child with transitions. Now the first thing to do is, if you're already planning ahead, let them know you'll be able to do this for 15 minutes, but then we need to leave. That kind of warning is really fabulous. However, we're not always in that situation. Sometimes our kids are busy playing whatever game they're playing, watching TV on the iPad, whatever they're doing, and we realize, oh my goodness, it's time to go, or it's time for supper, or whatever's happening. So here's, in that situation, what I would recommend. First, you go to your child and you acknowledge to them, you agree with them, that what they're doing they're enjoying. Say something to acknowledge and agree that this is good. What you're doing is just fine. And and you're happy for them. And then in that happy mood, you inform them. The second thing is to give them that warning, to inform them that you have two minutes left or 10 minutes left, whatever it is, so that they have the warning. And frankly, this would be the case no matter what your age. Because if you put yourself in their shoes and you were watching a TV program and somebody in authority or even your spouse or your child that had something important, if they walked in and flipped off your program right in the middle of your program without giving you a reason or acknowledging what you're doing and said, let's go, you wouldn't feel good about that. You wouldn't take to that well. 
Even if you realize that they were right and you had lost track of time, it still doesn't feel good. It takes maturity to be able to, say, I'll calm myself and acknowledge and remember that we had a plan. Thank you for stopping the TV program. I'll get my shoes on. That kind of thing takes maturity practice time and experience to know. But our kids don't have maturity practice time and experience yet. We are giving it to them. So we are helping them to be able to gain this by letting them know that we see them, which is acknowledge and agree with what they're doing. And then the second thing is inform them ahead of time to warn them that this stop is going to come up when you come back. Okay, give them their time, and then you're going to come back. Now, when you come back, there's a way to do it then also that's going to feel better. So if somebody came back to you and just yanked the plug, it doesn't feel good. The first thing we need to do is get our kids' attention and say, the two minutes is up, or it's time now, you'll need to shut it off, or how can I help you turn this off or put this away Any of those kind of phrases is a warmer, gentler way to say to your child, it's time to stop. And stopping what we're doing that we enjoy is never fun for any of us. If it is still too hard for your child at this point, one of the other things that you can do is let your child know when they get to return to this activity. When do they continue? So maybe it's bedtime and you say to them, tomorrow after school, you get to do it again. Or maybe you just need to pause for dinner and you can say, you get to return to the Legos after dinner. Or maybe you're going to say, after bath, you can have 10 more minutes of iPad. Whatever it is that you are doing with your child that the difficulty was stopping, let them know that they can return to it and give them a time and space that they will understand. One way I expressed time to my kids when they were smaller was by the length of a movie. So we had that 12-minute Mickey Steamboat, Steamboat Willie, that was the name, and it was 12 minutes long. And then my kids knew this was a quick little movie. And then I had a whole bunch of half-an-hour little videos that I would put on for them while I'd cook lunch. So they knew that these certain videos and the ones I used happen to be guidepost junction. So I would say it's about a guidepost junction length of time. And they would know that. And then we used the full length feature as our other measure of time. So for example, I would say it's about three Cinderella movies to grandma and grandpa's house. If you can find things in your child's world that they regularly can experience and has a set length of time, it helps them to understand what length of time they need to wait. This is obviously for young children, and when your child is old enough to be able to use a clock, a watch, and understand time a little better, you can use actual times. But even so, I think a lot of us benefit from having something more tangible, something we have experienced when somebody says about how long something will take. So here it is again in a nutshell. What you can do to help your kiddos with transitions. First, give them the warning ahead of time 
such as before you start doing this, just know that you'll only be able to do that for 15 minutes. And when you need to interrupt your child from what they're doing, then it's a little bit trickier. First, acknowledge and agree with them that this is good and you're having fun and let them know, I need to interrupt you though. You'll have two minutes and we're going to stop. That was the second piece. You are informing them that the stop is going to be occurring. Giving a reason is also helpful. For example, I'm stopping you in 10 minutes because we are going to the store. The third thing is to give that precious time that your child can get to a comfortable place to stop or that they just can have time in their head to mull over that there is going to be a change, there is going to be an interruption, and I'm going to be able to handle it. Now, fourth, the next thing is to actually return to your child, and that is to tell them their time is up, to tell them that it's time to stop now. And in that moment, be compassionate and happy. Children pick up on our vibes. They pick up on our feelings. They are sensitive, and they will often react. If we are uncomfortable in anticipation of their meltdown, they will feed into it and have some kind of tantrum. So be sure that you set your expectation for joy and for fun and you talk to them in that spirit. Obviously, this takes practice if you have a history of difficulty and transitions. If your child gives you this beautiful surprise of, okay, mom, and they're ready to go, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate that they handled the transition. Go ahead and use that language with them. You handled the change of activity really well. You said, okay, mom. You did what I told you to do. Good job. Thank you. You are getting it. I'm so proud of you. I know that wasn't easy. And you still did it. Yay. These are the kinds of things we can say to our kids that celebrate and let them know exactly what it is that they're doing right at the time that they're doing it right. Now, if your child doesn't handle it that well, and of course, there's going to be a time of practice before your child typically handles it that well. So when they don't handle it that well, I want you to let them know that there's going to be a time to return and name that time. So therefore, if your child has a history of difficulty with transitions, think to yourself ahead of time what you can let them know their return to this activity time is going to be. For example, it's time to stop and you get to do more when we get home from the store. And then eventually you'll be able to wean away from needing to use that right up front. But as you're teaching, the moment that your child becomes calm in it, and typically at the beginning, the calmness will come after they know that it's not gone forever, but yet just for a little bit. As they build trust in that, and as they gain language to be able to ask you for it again, that will help produce calm for them too. So whatever time in the process your child is cooperating, that's when you add that celebration right back in. It sounds something like this when it's at the end. I know that was really hard for you and you cried, but eventually you understood. You get to play again. And I'm so proud of you because you got through it. And I know it was hard, but you're here now. You're with me and you're happy again. I'm so happy for you. So we are telling our child what happened to them in a way that they realize we're not scared of what happened to them, but rather we're here for them and we're proud of them for learning 
and for growing. I hope you learned something in today's episode, something applicable, something helpful. If this was helpful to you in any way, please share with a friend and rate and review and uh, get a hold of me if you have any questions. My email is hello at thelanguageofplay.com. Hey parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.